morning. Welcome. Um, I want to share my story this morning. Last week we began talking about supernatural disciples and the power of God, being baptized with the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues. For some it was new, for some it was, it was a reminder, it was a refresher. But if you've never heard about it, it can be scary and it can be intimidating. It was for me. I was 16 years old. I'm a junior in high school, just down the street at Mitchell High School. And I was saved since I was eight, but the way I would describe it is my relationship with God was platonic. We went to church every Sunday. It was out of duty. My relationship was religious. It wasn't personal. I knew that I loved God, but there was nothing alive about my relationship. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't understand the Bible. And I believed what people told me about the Bible versus reading it myself. I'm 16, junior in high school. My relationship with God is flat. My dad would travel to Dallas. He had a business associate there and he would travel there regularly. And he went to a church service on a Wednesday night when he was down there during the week. And he called my mom and began to tell his story. But before I tell that story, let me describe my dad before this moment. My dad grew up as a PK, a pastor's kid. Church to him was stale. It was dry. He went to church to be a good father, to be a good husband, but I never up until this point seen my dad read his Bible. I never saw him sing in church. I never saw him really engage. The one thing my dad did say is he said, I'm tired of, of hearing about what they did back then. I want to know what's in it for today. And he called my mom and began to share what had happened to him on that Wednesday night service. He'd gone to church and he saw people more alive in their walk with Jesus than he had ever seen before. And he heard about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he shares with my mom that he came forward and they prayed for him and he's not sure what happened, but when they prayed for him, the next thing he knew, he was on the ground. The power of God had just come upon him. And then he shared with my mom, he said, and I prayed in other tongues. My mom gets off the phone and she goes, kids, three teenagers and my little brother, and she gathers us around and she goes, kids, your dad prays in tongues. It's a really serious moment. You have to understand why. Because we had been told that the things we read in our Bible were not relevant for today. That the gifts 
the moving of God's spirit, the miracles and the healings, that that had all died out. And then I'm not sure who or where these words came from, but it was started and it was believed that speaking in tongues was of the devil. And that to pray in other tongues meant you were availing yourself to the darkness. You see, we, we curse what we don't understand. We fear what we don't have knowledge or wisdom about. My dad came home. I saw my dad reading his Bible. I saw my dad ordering books to grow in his faith. I saw light and fire and passion that I had never seen in my 16 years of existence in my dad. Something had happened. Something had transformed him. And I wanted what my dad had. And I said, God, I want all of you. I just don't want this plastic relationship. God, I want to know your power. God, I want to experience your presence. And I had about that much knowledge. I encourage you to go back and listen to last week as we went into detail. We'll, we'll potentially get into more today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think the address is 1371 Mears Drive. That's what came back. Mears Drive, just off of Palmer Park and Murray Boulevard. Late one night, I'm a night person. Shared a room with my little brother and he's asleep. And I said, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit and power. I want what my dad has. I want what I see in the book of Acts. I want a living, thriving relationship with you, God. And that night, this 16-year-old's life was forever changed and transformed. My walk with God was like an F-16 going upward when it had been like a heart monitor of a dead person. No life, no rhythm, no passion. And I said, God, I don't understand this tongues thing, but I want it. And Father, I believe I'm filled with your Holy Spirit and power. Go ahead. Hit me. Bring it. Nothing happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's not going to make us do anything that we don't want to do. And I was unsure. I thought the Holy Spirit would grab my vocal cords, my lips, and my tongue and, and make me speak and make me pray. I'll never forget, remember cassette tapes? My mom played a cassette tape. I'm pretty sure it was Oral Roberts. She goes, kids, listen to this. And it was all Roberts praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues. First time I'd ever heard it. 
And although my mind went, whoa, dude, what is this? Whoa, in all of our church history, I, 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 in my growth, I've never heard of this. But watch this. There was a hunger. There was a peace. Even though my head was questioning, my heart knew there was something of value here. You see, it's no different than when we get born again. We believe and we've never been to heaven and we believe we're going there. We believe that a Savior came and gave His life and paid the price for our sins based upon words written in a book and we believe and we acted upon it and we received salvation and our lives were changed. But there's another step. That the Spirit within would come upon us and that night, I waited and nothing happened. Then I put sound on my vocal cords and, and I began to say a few words, sounds or syllables. It was foreign to my mind. And my mind analyzed and assessed every single little e that came out. My mind was obsessed. Does this sound like Oral Roberts when he prayed in tongues? What is this? Who is this? What is this about? My heart was lit on fire. I started praying for things that I'd never prayed before. I started, I started believing and expecting and anticipating that I could lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I started pursuing God. I, I started looking into the Word, and it was right in that same time that God said, I want you to go into a career of full-time ministry. And my life has never ever been the same. Soon I wasn't just making a few sounds or syllables. My mind became focused on God and not what was coming out of my mouth. My mind became focused on speaking, giving light to the words and sounds and syllables coming out of my heart and I would pray in tongues for five minutes, for ten minutes, for fifteen minutes, for thirty minutes. I could pray for an hour or two and never stop or never even blink or hardly take a breath. It was supernatural. It was life-giving. As your pastor, I know that this can be a challenging subject for some. But I received an email this last week of a woman who had gone through a lot of, her and her husband had been going through a lot of just challenges and struggles and moving and, and things. And, and she said, I was filled with the Holy Spirit many, many years ago. But it had been 16 years since she'd ever prayed and, and, and fellowship and commune with God. And this last week, she was challenged by the Holy Spirit. And she went into her prayer closet. And, and she, she said, as she wrote me, she said, before my knees hit the ground, I started praying by the Spirit, praying in other tongues. She said, I prayed for 45 minutes. It was the most intimate time with God like I had never had before. I want you to have all that God has for you. And you receive it by faith. 
You receive it by following the leading of God's Spirit in your heart. And you might not be able to fully comprehend it, but you step out by faith and say, God, I see it in your word. I see it in your scripture. My dad, my dad was no longer um, content with where we had been going to church because they were preaching part of the Bible, not all of the Bible. Something I've never even really shared. It's back in about 1979, 78. My dad started a church in Colorado Springs. Grew to several hundred within a short amount of time. I was graduating and going to Bible college. And I was planning on coming back. And my dad said, I'm starting this church and I need you to take it over when you get back. Some challenging situations happened. Some struggling things happened and the church ended up closing. But this church, this church, the vision of this church was planted over 40 some years ago. And we're only 18. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, God, that they would trust you, that they would know you, and they would lean in to your word and the life that you have for them. Father, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and power. That they would commune with you in a heavenly language, in a divine communication. They'd experience the intimacy that I do and many others here do. I pray that they would know you like they have never known you before. And Father, I thank you that you've given them the ability to pray pray in other tongues. In Jesus' name. Now just real quietly, just there, I want you to take that step of faith. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit and power. And now I have the ability to communicate and pray in other tongues. I want you just real quietly, just, just there, don't be so loud that it disturb somebody, but just give voice to it. Believers that are filled with the Holy Spirit and you already pray in other tongues, go ahead and begin to pray. Some of you that are stepping out for the very first time, go ahead and give voice to that. Father, let your power, let your your power touch these people here and watching online fill their room fill their heart fill their soul father empower us 
to change our city, to change our community. Let us not fear what is ordained of you. Let us not reject the gift that you have given, but receive it with love and honor and faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Take a deep breath. Say this out loud with me. Say, God, I want everything you have for me. Nothing left out. Nothing left behind. I love you, and I receive all that you have for me. In Jesus' name. teach just for a little bit. I want to help you understand this baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the supernatural disciple last week. I want to finish up and give you part two on this. I'm humored. I made the mistake of reading our Google church reviews yesterday. And of course, I didn't read all the beautiful flowery ones. I went straight to the one stars. And I was humored, and if you look at your notes today, I was humored because people over the years have said, yeah, he doesn't use scripture. <laughs> I, I, I choked at that. If you want to help a church out, write a good review. Um, um, it's interesting, some people said some things that were flat out lies that was never said in this church. And so counterbalance those lies with truth on Yelp, on Google, wherever you can write a review about this church. If you appreciate it, write a review. If you don't, just hold your tongue. It's okay. <laughs> hey, I want to answer your questions today. And last week we talked about just a quick review that salvation is for us and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to help us to minister to the world. Then on the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all began to pray in other tongues in that upper room. And we reviewed that praying in tongues is a supernatural communication with God by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a language unknown to the speaker. We also said that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray when we don't know how. In Romans chapter 8, it teaches us that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. And lastly, we, we learned that praying in tongues is a choice and a decision of our will, just as it was for me. So I want to answer your questions. First question on your notes is this. Was this a one-time experience for a few, or was it meant for all? Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, Peter is preaching and he said, the promise is to you and to your children and to those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. It's a gift that is not from 2,000 years ago for a few frozen, chosen individuals, but it's a gift that's for today. And we see from that encounter 
In Acts chapter 2, that Peter and John were two of the people there. We saw that 3,000 3, gave their life to Christ. And, and I don't know if it was days or weeks, but, but now Peter and John are going to the temple to pray as they've done for days and weeks and years. And today is different because today they're filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And as we see on our street corners here in Colorado Springs, it was true then. There was a man, and he's begging He's begging and asking people to give to him. He has never walked a day in his life. He is 40 years old, the Bible tells us, and he has never used his legs. He has never been able to walk. And Peter and John looked at him, and he looked like, you know, you know when those guys catch your eye at the corner? Like you just give them a look, and all of a sudden they're like, I'm coming. And you're like, don't look at him, don't look at him. Peter and John looked at him. And he looked on them to receive. And Peter said this, silver and gold, I don't have for you, but I give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says, then Peter took him by the hand and this man stood on his feet he began to walk. Then he began walking and leaping and praising God. You have to understand atrophy of the muscles. These joints, these tendons, these muscles have never moved in a walking situation. It was a miracle that he's healed. It's a miracle that he doesn't have to go to rehab and relearn to think because the nerves have not been told how to make a man walk. It was a supernatural outpouring of God's Spirit. 2,000 more people see this miracle and give their life and heart to Jesus Christ. Now totals over 5,000 people. But Peter and John are arrested for doing a miracle. Oh, for the day that I could be arrested. That I prayed for one of our war veterans who was missing a limb. And pup, it was there. And they said, we're arresting you. Bring it on, baby. They're arrested. They're put in jail overnight. And the next morning, they're brought before the religious leaders to have this mock trial. And, and they're asked how and what happened. And in Acts chapter 4, and verse 8, we see Peter's response. It says, then Peter, look at these words, filled, anointed, with the Holy Spirit and power, said to the rulers, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. By the way, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. He goes on, says the members, he said, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Look at this. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized that them as men who had been with Jesus. You know what? Your pastor has a Bible college diploma. Not opposed to higher education, but I don't have a master's of divinity or a doctorate of theology. But I know this. I'm an ordinary guy 
who's been with Jesus. And I want to share his life and his liberty. Goes on, it says, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, there was nothing the council could say. What do you say? There is a man that everyone knows in the city has not walked, and he's walking. And they didn't know what to do, so they commanded them, don't you preach in that name anymore. It says that Peter and John went back to their disciples, and it says that they prayed. And they said, Lord, you see their threats But we pray not for your protection. We pray for boldness to speak your name clearly. We pray that we would stretch out our hands and see more healings and the power of God flow even more. And look at the result in verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. And check this out. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. Wait a second. I thought they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Now in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, it's happening again. Can I tell you? Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I didn't turn on my sprinkler system a couple weeks ago. I didn't blow mine out last night. By the way, if you did, God bless you. I didn't. With the snow coming. I don't turn on my sprinklers and water my yard once in May and expect it to last for the rest of of the summer. No, no, no. I'm letting that water flow. Every morning I say, Father, fill me. Let your Holy Spirit within me come upon me. Anoint me today for today's activities. Anoint me today to have words to speak that I don't know what to say. Anoint me today to have leadership thoughts and insights on how to reach this city. Anoint me today that when I come across a person in need, anoint me today to allow your gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow through me. Anoint me today for the tasks that are at hand. Holy Spirit, I give you free reign and free charge. It's It's allowing the spirit within to come upon. It's being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit as an ongoing process. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, instead let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Let the power of God flow through. The Amplified Bible says, be filled and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Being intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. That word fill in the Greek means to make full, to cram, to fill up, to fill to the top, so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure, fill to the brim. God wants us to be intoxicated, filled, and overflowing with his power and with his presence. Here's what he's saying. If you're going to have something inspire you, if you're going to be intoxicated with something, allow it to be the things of God and not the things of this earth. In my 60 years of living, I've never heard one person say, man, alcohol has made me a better husband. (laughs) Alcohol has transformed my marriage. I'm a better wife, I'm a better boss, I'm a better employee. I've not heard anyone say of all the goodness it does. What if we tapped into the power of God? What if we tapped into the goodness of God? Is this a one-time gift or does it keep on going? Well, let's go. We were in Acts chapter 2. We went to Acts chapter 4. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. It says, 
When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, in other words, they were born again, they sent Peter and John there. And as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. goes on, it says, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. The Spirit within comes upon us, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, baptized water baptism signifying salvation that had taken place. Then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Notice the urgency. They said, you believe, but have you received the second spiritual step? And verse 18, it says, when Simon saw the Spirit was given, when the apostles laid their hands on people, he's popping out cash and he's offering them money to buy this power. He said in verse 19, let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Question is, what did Simon see? I believe he saw and he heard them praying in other tongues. One of the visible signs that we have when people are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Did that die out with the apostles or did it keep going? 17 years after Christ has resurrected in Caesarea, Acts chapter 10, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. He was preaching to Gentiles. Verse 45, the Jewish believers had come with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. They thought it was just for them. How did they know the gift had been poured out? Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. It's still happening. Then we go 24 years after Christ's departure in Acts chapter 19. Uh, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul and Apollos were in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them? No, they replied, we have, haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. They, they were clueless. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. Remember, John came before Jesus and said, I'm the forerunner to the man that comes after me. And John was just having a baptism of repentance. Paul said in verse 4, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were born again baptized in water, signifying the salvation. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. The gift that keeps on giving. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if it was good for them in the book of Acts, it's good for the believers of Rock Family Church. Amen? Question number two, is speaking in tongues of the devil? My grandmother told me it was. I don't know if you had a relative that did. I don't know if it was actually my literal grandmother, but somebody told me it was, it was of the devil. It is absolutely not. Never once in all of my years, I don't frequent bars or pubs. I, I, I just don't like alcohol, but I, I go to Chili's and they have a bar. I go to Cheddar's and they have a bar. And sometimes when it's crowded, they say, would you like to sit in the bar? And I've, Kim and I have sat in the bar. 
And I have never once been sitting in a bar and heard a bunch of sinners start praying in other tongues. Never once. Never once was downtown outside of a club and some ungodly sinner people came out and shunned and began to pray in other tongues. Doesn't happen. It's recorded for the believers who are born again. The spirit within comes upon. You see, we often curse what we don't understand. My grandfather shares, he started in ministry, I think it was 1933. I have his ordination paper in my office on my, on my shelf. But he shared this about how the, curse, the church cursed what they didn't understand. When television was being introduced in the, I think it was the 40s or, and into the early 50s and, and it was grabbing hold, do you know what the church's response was? Do you know what the church called it? They called it the devil's box. And they rejected the power of television. What would have happened? Where would we be today if back in the 40s, churches, believers, mighty men and women of God said, we're going to run the networks. We're going to decide what goes out on the airwaves. I believe we wouldn't be having the smut that goes out on our airwaves today if it was Christian controlled. If the church had said, this is a way to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But we were scared of it, so we ran from it. That's what a lot of people do from speaking and praying. And other t- I'm scared of it, so I'm not going to do it. It must be the devil. Well, Jesus spoke to this need in Luke chapter 11. He knew we would have this fear. He said, for everyone who asks receives, and everyone who speaks finds. And everyone who knocks, that door's going to be open. He said, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you hand them a snake instead? Or if your son or daughter asks for an egg, do you give them a scorpion and say, here, play with this? Of course not. He said, so if you, a sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I was afraid. I said, Lord, if I ask for your Holy Spirit, what if a demon jumps in? I got him. I got him. I read the scripture and it gave me peace that if I ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to get a demon. God God is in charge and God is in control. Let's answer question number three. Can you be baptized with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues, not pray in tongues? Absolutely, yes. You have the freedom to choose. I don't know why you wouldn't want to do that. I, want, I don't know why you would want the Tesla without the wheels. You want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the peanut butter or without the jelly. It kind of works together. And that's the way the Holy Spirit is. It works together. But there are some who claim that, well, you can't be baptized in the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. They're just trying too hard to get you to pray in other tongues. It's your choice. And can I say this? You may say, I never want to pray in tongues. I I love this church, but I never want to pray in tongues. God bless you. I value you. I love you. I appreciate you. So be it. No harm, no foul. It's your choice. You are loved, you are valued, and you are appreciated. Question number four. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a requirement for going to heaven? Anyone who tells you that, ask them for chapter and verse. Could you give me chapter and verse on that? Because there's no place in Scripture that says you must be baptized with the Holy Spirit in power. It says you must be born again. 
right? Salvation is for us. The baptisms of the Holy Spirit is to help us to minister to the world. Question number five. What is the difference between speaking in tongues when baptized with the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? When do you need an interpreter? Okay? Now, everyone look at your watch. Just go ahead and look at your watch. I'm just going to help you out. I'm not going to fake you. I'm not going to stump you. Just look at your watch. We technically are supposed to be done in five minutes because that's what we usually do. Today is not an usual day. It's an unusual day. Okay? So can I ask for a little permission to just go five, probably 10 minutes over? All right? I need about, I need about 10 to 15 minutes. And, and, and if you have plans, just go ahead, get your phone up, text and say, hey, we're a few minutes behind. Preacher's going long. It's okay. All right? But I want to bring truth to this. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians, and, and I want to bring some truth and the light to this. Understand on your notes, A, one gift of speaking in tongues is to enhance the believer's personal prayer life, and the other is for a public ministry setting. There's a distinct difference. In 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to do a whole sermon on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine of them. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, 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 gift of faith, uh, miracles, healings, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. Those nine gifts are listed there. And so when they get to the tongue part in the list in 1 Corinthians 12, here's what people quote. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And then this is their favorite scripture, to shut you down. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone, he alone decides which gift each person should have. And so you're not given the gift of tongues. It's not for everyone. It's as the Spirit decides. Well, let's use that logic then on the other gifts of the Spirit that are listed there of faith. Does that mean that faith is only given to a certain few? That, 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 that you have to wait for the gift of faith? No, that would be contrary to Scripture. Because scripture says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by hearing the word of God. Well, healings and miracles are listed under the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Does that mean that we we can't pray for anyone to be healed unless it's a special gift and a special anointing? No, Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Jesus said, do the works that I did and greater works than these will you do. He said, go in the authority of my name. So what's the contradiction? What is happening here? What is is going on? On your notes, the nine spiritual gifts are a special ability given by the Holy Spirit for a special ministry purpose. We can pray by faith for people to be healed. We can pray by faith for miracles to happen. A woman told me just just last service, she said, I was here. She said, I'm I'm, I'm from another state. She said, I was here. We prayed over my brother who had a horrible diagnosis with cancer. I want you to know that he's in remission. He was supposed to die and he's alive. That's a miracle. We didn't say, Lord, if it be thy will. We know God's will is to heal people. But this is a special anointing. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, here's what Peter said. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. 
And every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. So if they were filled with the Holy Spirit and prayed in other tongues in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 19, then it is good enough for us. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Now we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 14. You see all the passage there. I'm going to read it. It's going to be on the screen. We're going to break it down verse by verse of the public side of how tongues are to function in public and how tongues are to function in our personal life so that there is balance. Verse 1, let's go. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire hmm, the special abilities. Talking about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. The special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. That's one of the nine spiritual gifts. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, referring to our personal prayer time. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit but it will all be mysterious, or some translations say you, your mind will not comprehend. By what is, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit and power, and now he's saying you're going to be praying, speaking in tongues by the power of the Spirit, referring to our personal side. Verse 3, he goes on, but the one who prophesies that strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. A person who speaks in tongues, other translations say edify, that we touched on last week, that you will be edified, that you will be charged. But watch this, the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. That's in the public setting of those gifts. Verse 5, I wish you all could speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues, key word, unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church, he's talking about being in a public setting again, will be strengthened. If I come and I just stand up here on any given Sunday and I just start praying in other tongues for 30 minutes, you're going to go, not getting it. The message translation makes it very clear. It says, the one who prays using a private prayer language certainly gets a lot out of it, but proclaiming God's truth to the church in its common language brings the whole church into growth and strength. I want all of you to develop intimacies with God in prayer, but please don't stop with that. What does he say? Go on and proclaim his clear truth to others. It's more important that everyone have access to the knowledge and love of God in language everyone understands than that you go off and cultivate God's presence in a mysterious prayer language. What's he saying? That's what happens in our personal time. Unless, of course, when you're in the public setting, there is someone who can interpret what you are saying for all the benefit of the people. Can I put it this way on your notes? One edifies the believer, the other edifies the church. Now here's some practical wisdom in verse 6. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? 
But if you, if, if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. He's saying, if I come to you in a public setting and start praying in tongues, it's not helpful to you. If I bring my personal ability to pray in tongues, it happens when I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit into the public setting. How is that helpful? Verse 7, even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, that call to charge, how will the soldiers know they are being called into battle? It's the same for you, he says. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking to empty space. He's referencing the tongues in a public space. Verse 10, there are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand the language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Verse 13. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. If I'm in my personal prayer closet and I'm praying in tongues and praying in the Spirit, I don't have to have an interpretation. Only in the public setting, let's go on to verse 14. He says, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying, referring to the personal setting. An interpreter is only needed in the public setting. Verse 15, well then what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit. And I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. This is the personal prayer time. He goes on in verse 16, For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? If Pastor Brad comes up here and just starts singing a new song by the gift of the Holy Spirit on the inside of him in an unknown tongue, you're like, wish we could join in. But you got your own thing going on there. And so what does, it, what does it teach? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? Personal tongues in a public setting. He goes on to verse 17. You will be giving thanks. Yes, you're glorifying God. And, and we can sing to the Lord a new song in our personal prayer time. Yes, you'll be glorifying God and giving thanks but it won't strengthen the people who hear you in that public setting. I thank God, Paul says, that I speak in tongues more than all of you. <laughs> I, do, I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. So what does that mean? The heart of RFC here at Rock is that we don't we don't say on a Sunday, let's all stand, pray in tongues really loud, other than days that we're teaching on, where we're giving you instruction. Otherwise, as we're going to see, Paul says it wigs people out. Let's go to verse 20. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish. What is childish? It's selfish. What does he mean? 
I want to pray in tongues when I want to pray in tongues. You can't tell me not to pray in tongues in church. I'm telling you not. Now, let me, let me help you understand. Every Sunday morning on this front row, I am praying in other tongues and I'm praying by the Spirit. You see my lips moving, but I'm not wigging out people around me. I'm praying respectfully. Are you with me? Because some people might not understand. He said, don't be childish in your understanding of these things about when to pray and not to pray. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages and through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Now look at verse 22. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign. It's a sign not for, be- not for believers, I thought it was, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Let me explain this. On your notes, tongues can be a sign to the unbeliever by supernaturally speaking their language. We saw it in Acts chapter 2, and they were all praising God in the upper room, and the people came, and they said, these are people of Galilee. How can they speak our language and our dialect? It was a supernatural sign that they heard them in their own language, and 3,000 people got saved. A pastor friend of mine shares this story. This was years and years ago. The man is now a board member in his church. But he shares this story. He said a Jewish man who had grown up in a Jewish home and family, had never been to an evangelical church, somehow ended up at at my friend's church. The man's name is Sandy. And he came to the service and he was there and, and went through the service. And as he was leaving, a gentleman in the church felt inspired, led of the Holy Spirit. He stopped Sandy and he said, could I pray for you? And Sandy said, sure, okay. The gentleman began to pray in English with his understanding. I pray that you bless my brother. I pray that you bless his week, his job, his business. But something triggered on the inside, and he felt like he was supposed to pray in tongues as he laid his hands on the man's shoulders. He began to pray in other tongues. And he did that for just just a, a few moments, a few minutes there, and then he stopped. And he started to explain to Sandy And Sandy has this look on his face of like, and he said, I was was praying in other tongues. He said, no, where did you you hear that prayer? The gentleman said, I don't know what you're talking about. I was praying like in tongues out of the book of Acts. He said, no, you prayed the Hebrew prayer that when I was a small child, my father would come, my grandfather would come to my room and pray this Hebrew prayer over me every night. As far as I know, he's since passed. And this is a grown man now. He said, I haven't heard that prayer in decades. And he's the only one that I know knows that prayer. How did you do that? He explained it was by the power of the Most High God and used it as a sign and a witness. And Sandy gave his heart and his life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Verse 23, let's wrap this up. I'm almost done. Verse 23, 
Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and they hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you're out of your flipping minds. Dean's Amplified Version. It says they will think you are crazy. If we all are praying in tongues and someone who is lost, isn't born again, comes in, they're like, freak out factor, I'm never coming back to this church. We don't want to freak people out. We want to welcome them with love and adoration and grace and, and peace and, and mercy and acceptance. We want to bring them into the promises of God. We don't want to use our liberty to turn people away. Verse 24, but if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers are people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, in other words, we're saying and speaking in English, it says they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. Verse 25, as they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly among you. This happens every week here, folks. Every week I'm standing out in the lobby and somebody will come up and they'll go, how did you know what to say today? How did you, my, my wife and I were just talking about that and it's just like you were listening in our house. How did you do that? I just grinned and said it was the Holy Spirit. I just, I'm here to be a mouthpiece for the Spirit of God. And we're operating and functioning in the, in the gift of, of knowledge and the gift of wisdom and discerning of spirits. We know things by the Spirit that we don't know by our own understanding. Verse 26, here we go. Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues and another will interpret what is said in a church setting but everything that is done must be strength, must strengthen all of you. No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, one at a time in a public setting, and someone must interpret what they say. And then check this out. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting. <laughs> be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately in my personal prayer and devotional time. Now let's go to the end of the chapter. So my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Will you stand to your feet with me? Thank you for giving me a few extra minutes today. I truly appreciate that. Heavenly Father, I pray for the light and the life of truth to come to everyone hearing this message. I break and dispel the thoughts of fear, anxiety, and I pray for your supernatural peace. And Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would step out by faith and embrace the gift that you have for them. That in that secret place, in their prayer closet, that, Lord, that they would commune and fellowship with you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to, as you know, if you're here regularly, Kim and I are usually out in the lobby greeting and fellowshipping with people. I'm going to stay right down here, right in front of this prayer, right down here in front of these seats. Our other prayer team members will be down here. If you need prayer, they'll do that. But I'm going to be down here to either pray with you, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, answer your questions. 
I want to make myself available, and I want to, I want to beat anything that the enemy's trying to hinder you. And so I'm going to make myself available to minister to you, all right? Before we do that, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, if you've never said yes to Jesus, the Bible is very clear. You don't have to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit to go to heaven, but you do need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you were to die right now and you were to stand before the judgment seat of God, would he say, welcome home, my beloved son? Would he say, welcome home, daughter? I'm so glad you're here. Or when they looked in the Lamb's book of life, where every name is recorded of those who accept the Lamb of God, Jesus, for the forgiveness and and repentance of sins, would they find your name? Or in that book, would they go down and say, ah, you're not here. And if your name is not there for all of eternity, beyond time and comprehension, that person will spend eternity in hell, and damnation and weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven, but I'm trying to help you understand the reality. It has eternal impact, but it has today impact. Because when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he not only changes your eternal destiny, but he transforms you today. And you'll live in peace, in his power, in his victory, in his strength. Let Jesus in. I'm going to count to three. If you say, I want to surrender my life to God, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. When I hit three, I want you to shoot your hand up. Someone's going to come and pray with you right where you stand, and then we'll let you be dismissed. Thank you for the extra time. But come on, let's make Jesus the Lord of your life. On the count of three, let's go for it. One, two, three. Shoot that hand up really, really high. Anybody in this place saying, I want to surrender my life and heart to the Lord. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the service. If you live here in Colorado Springs or you're going to be in the city, I hope that you'll come and experience the service firsthand. And for those of you that are enjoying the ministry and you're being fed to on a weekly basis, I invite you to partner with us financially and make an investment into the mission and the vision of Rock Family Church. And lastly, if you've never made a commitment and a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you make that decision today? Why wait till tomorrow? Why wait till next weekend? I dare you to pray this prayer with me. Would you close your eyes? Would you pray this prayer with me and repeat it? It goes like this. Pray this with me. Say, dear God, forgive me of all of my sins and mistakes. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I invite him to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. My life is now in your hands. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks for making that commitment. Will you email us at info at rockfamilychurch.com. Tell us about your new decision to stand up big and live strong for Jesus Christ. We'd love to celebrate with you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend.